Welcome. We hope you enjoy this recording from Christ City Church, based in Dublin, Ireland. For more podcasts and information on the church, please visit ChristCityChurch.ie. Thank you for listening. Thank you, everyone. It's good to see you. Um, so thanks for joining. Yeah. Um, you know, in preparing this talk, I've been thinking about, um, you know, the fact that we are living in a challenging time right now. And Hebrews wasn't actually meant to be read during peaceful, happy, contented times. Hebrews was written to people having a really rough time. We're going to read in the passage we have today that people were giving up on their faith. They were giving up meeting together. They were, they were, they were being told that they needed to persevere. And why? Because it's hard to keep the faith when things are tough. It's, it's easy when things are easy, but it's hard when it's tough. It's easy to fall. So I'm wondering, are you feeling weary and discouraged and downhearted? Are you feeling anxious and afraid? Maybe you're worried about money or about food or about health. Are you anxious about the future and what it might hold? Hebrews is a great place to come. So let's prepare our hearts right now to hear from God's word and receive from him the bread of life and have our hopes and our faith restored. I just want you to close your eyes for a moment. And I want you to ask God to speak to you today and to restore whatever state your heart is in. So just to, to restore our hearts wherever we are right now. So just take a moment now just to ask God to speak. And then if you pray with me, uh, pray out loud if you feel comfortable. Jesus, I thank you for your love. Father, I thank you for your faithfulness. Please transform me by the renewing of my mind, by your ever-present Holy Spirit. Amen. Okay, well, we're going to start by reading the passage. And it starts at Hebrews 10, 19. So have your Bible and your pad, Steve keeps saying, ready. I always write right in my Bible. Um, I find it so helpful and to look back as well at my notes and uh, when I'm looking at passages again. So feel free. It's, uh, it's fine to write in your Bible. Okay, I'm going to read from uh, Hebrews 10, verse uh, 19. Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way open for us through the curtain that is his body, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with the full assurance that faith brings, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds, not, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. If we deliberately keep on sinning after we have received the knowledge of the truth, no sacrifice for sins is left, but only a fearful expectation of judgment and of raging fire 
that will consume the enemies of God. Anyone who rejected the law of Moses died without mercy on the testimony of two or three witnesses. How much more severely do you think someone deserves to be punished who has trampled the Son of God underfoot, who has treated as an unholy thing the blood of the covenant that sanctified them and who has insulted the spirit of grace. For we know him who said, it is mine to avenge, I will repay. And again, the Lord will judge his people. It is a dreadful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. Remember those earlier days after you had received the light, when you endured in a great conflict full of suffering. Sometimes you were publicly exposed to insult and persecution. At other times, you stood side by side with those who were so treated. You suffered along with those who were in prison and joyfully accepted the confiscation of your property because you knew that you yourselves had better and lasting possessions. So do not throw away your confidence. It will be richly rewarded. You need to persevere so that when you have done the will of God, you will receive what he has promised. For in just a little while, he who is coming will come and will not delay. And, but my righteous one will live by faith. And I take no pleasure in the one who shrinks back. But we do not belong to those who shrink back and are destroyed, but to those who have faith and are saved. So the passage that we're looking at today has two main purposes. The first purpose is an exhortation. It's to exhort and encourage us. And now an exhortation is what you hear if you're in the dressing room and you're in a sports team and you're just about to go on the pitch it's that rousing speech like, come on, we're going to do this. That's an exhortation. And then the second purpose is a stark warning, like the sign you get on, a, on the edge of a cliff. like, Don't walk on here because it's dangerous and you could fall. It, you haven't necessarily stepped on it when you read this warning. You haven't necessarily, it's not necessarily a rebuke, but sadly some have fallen and you are close. So you need to hear a warning to make sure that you don't make the same mistake that could cause you great harm. So what do we do with these exhortations and encouragements? We allow them to inspire us, to lift our hearts, to help us persevere and carry on. And what about the warnings? We need to listen to them. We need to ask ourselves, am I tempted to walk on that dangerous ground? We need to tell ourselves, stop, it's dangerous keep away from the edge. Um, I don't know if you've ever been to the cliffs of Moha, um, uh, but I went and they are a thing of amazing beauty, but also terror. I was terrified at the top, especially with the kids. And I felt much happier when I was in the area where there was a nice handrail to hold on to. So uh, we're going to talk in this talk about a series of handrails, if you like. That, um, that we have to hold on to in these tough times. And these are exhortations, encouragements to hold on. And then there's one warning of a broken handrail, of a handrail that actually, if we lean on it, it won't keep us safe at all. 
So what I think this passage is telling us to do is to hold on to God, hold on to hope, hold on to each other, hold on to past faith, and to not hold on to sin. Um, and now the very first verse, uh, first word of this passage is actually therefore. And uh, it's a bit cheesy, but if it says therefore, we need to have a look at what it's there for. So in chapter nine, just before this passage, the author has reached this crescendo of who Jesus is. He is the high priest of all high priests. He didn't just enter the, the holy of holies in the temple like the high priests did, the normal high priests. He entered heaven itself to the very throne room of God. And he didn't just offer a spotless lamb. He was the spotless lamb. He offered his very self. And chapter 9 verse 26 says that he appeared in heaven once for all. That was one sacrifice for all sinners and all sin. And it says that when he returns, it will be to bring salvation to those who are waiting for him. See, this is the source of our confidence that it talks about at the beginning. You know, I, uh, I always, I really admire gymnasts. I, I could just watch them all day. I think it's amazing. And what gymnasts have is confidence. Like when they're spinning around and around those asymmetric bars, doing splits and then letting go and then catching back on again, twisting and turning. I mean, it's incredible. They are the epitome of confidence. There's no way you could be fearful and do that well. And so, and that's exactly what confidence is. It's an absence of fear. And we can come to God with this fearless confidence in Jesus's work that's freed us from all our sin. So the passage begins, therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way open for us through the curtain that is his body. Now, the actual curtain that was in the temple that separated us from the most holy place was torn from top to bottom when Jesus died. At the moment that he died, it was torn. In verse 20 of this passage here, it says that Jesus, Jesus's body was the curtain. His body was torn so that we could then enter that most holy place. This is where we get our fearless confidence and assurance of faith from. And the passage goes on. And since we have a great priest over the house of God, and here's our first handrail, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with the full assurance that faith brings. Verse 22 tells us to draw near to God. This is our handrail. Hold on to God. And it tells us to do that with a sincere heart. The attitude of our hearts, and that means as well, our thoughts, our will, our emotions, our character, all of those parts of our heart, they are so interested. God is so interested in them. He's so interested in the state of our hearts. And in fact, Ezekiel, hundreds of years before, had prophesied uh, about our hearts. And he said, that God would give us a new heart, uh, that he'll remove from us our hearts of stone and give us a heart of flesh. God is really bothered about our hearts. And, and what is it to be sincere? To be, it's to be real. It's to be honest before God, to, 
come before him sincerely and genuinely, not just out of you know tradition or because um, someone told us to or habit. Um, and this happened to me actually when I was when I was eighteen. I had this. I had a crisis of faith. Really, uh, I'd heard about Jesus at secondary school in a Christian union when I was about fourteen, and uh, after that, um, I joined a church and a youth club. And um, over time, you know, my sort of social group revolved a lot around that youth club. And we were on a summer camp, uh, a Christian summer camp, and I was at uh, one of the uh, the service during the sun worship. And um, we're in the middle of it. And I just suddenly stopped. I thought, what am I doing? Who am I doing this for? Am I, am I just doing this just to fit in with my friends? And um, I left the room and I went and found this empty marquee um, and just sat down and I cried out to God and said, God, if you're real, you have to show me because I feel like I'm just totally faking this. And uh, I stayed there for a few minutes and kind of just was praying and asking God to show me. And, uh, and then I walked back into the meeting that was still going on. And I felt what I can only describe as a whoosh of the Holy Spirit. It was this powerful presence that um, I just, I couldn't deny it was so real and there and a song was playing um, and the words were, don't let my love grow cold. I'm calling out, light the fire again. And it was so appropriate for me in that moment. Um, it just really helped me. It gave me that certainty of faith. And it was sort of, I decided in that, in that moment where I'd gone back to the, gone into the marquee, I'd actually come to God with a sincere heart instead of before I'd just been going through the motions. And that's what God is asking us to do, to approach him sincerely and openly with, with, with our sincere hearts. Uh, verse 23 then invites us to hold our next handrail, which is to hold on to hope. Verse 23 says, let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess for he who promised is faithful. And unswervingly means that our grip doesn't bend, it doesn't break. This is one quality, stainless steel, shiny new handrail. We can really get a good grip on it. And there's a beautifully simple reason why this handrail is so good to hold on to. It's why it's so sturdy. It says, for he who promised is faithful. He is faithful. He keeps his promises. He doesn't forget. What he foretold has come to pass. He can't lie. He will be faithful. And I love that line. So you might want to underline it and highlight it in your Bible. I certainly have. He promises and he delivers. And what has he promised us? In Revelation 24, uh, 21, in uh, describing heaven, it says, look, God's dwelling place is now among the people. And he will dwell with them. They will be his people and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things has passed away. This is what he has promised. And this is our ultimate hope. The worst of what COVID-19 and the world can throw at us and threaten, they will all end. 
There won't be any more grief, crying, suffering, pain, hurt. He is faithful and he will keep his promises so we can hold on to hope. Verse 24 then leads us to our next handrail, holding on to each other. And in this time where we can't see our friends, our family, our church family in the flesh, isn't it even more important that we hold on to each other? Verses uh, 24 to 26 say, and let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. And what's the day? It's the day of judgment. It's the end day. And don't you think like with all this chaos going round that you just see the real fragility and futility of the world around us? I think it's so easy for us to put our hopes and our joy and our dreams into this world. But it's just temporary. I've, I've just sort of been reminded through this whole experience again that this world is actually not our world. It's not the one that I ultimately belong to. And there, is, there will be a day when this world will end. So let us consider now how we can hold on to each other. As Steve mentioned last week, I had a bit of an accident and managed to fracture my back. Um, and it should heal by itself just in a few weeks. Um, I'm really grateful for that. I have been so encouraged and blessed by uh, all the kind words, the prayers, the offers of help uh, from, from the church. So I want to thank you, take my opportunity to thank you. And so I thank you because I have been so held as well. And it is even as we can't meet together, it's just so important that we reach out and help and hold each other. You know, let's continue to keep, keep meeting in city groups, in life groups, in the prayer and worship night, in the prayer meetings, in the mornings, texting, reaching out to each other. You know, let us hold on to one another all the more as we see the day approaching. We're going to jump a little bit in the passage now to our final handrail to verse 32. Uh, and this handrail here is to hold on to past faith. Verse 32, it says, remember those earlier days after you had received the light. And often in the heat of the moment, we can let our fears and our emotions and all of that turmoil to consume us. And, and in these times, it's really important that we remind ourselves of what we've known before which can help us in our current circumstances. And I have found I've just done that so much. It's been so helpful for me. Often I look back at that time at the summer camp that I was telling you about to remind myself when God feels distant and, and, I, and I'm struggling to connect with him, I remind myself that I knew him then with certainty so I can be sure now. And you may have heard me um, tell a story before about how... Um, when Jacob had been, uh, my son, our son was diagnosed with celiac, um, I became very anxious. And uh, Jacob had been so very ill, which was such a difficult time for us. Um, and then Annabelle was born a little bit older and I was there trying to keep Jacob with his very, very strict gluten-free diet. And at the same time, I'd been told, 
for Annabelle that she needed to eat gluten because if I kept it from her, she'd be more likely to get celiac as well. So I was giving her the very thing that would make him incredibly ill. And I was just a nervous wreck. And in time, God taught me and helped me realize why I was a nervous wreck because I was fixated on being in control of the situation and my desire for the ultimate control clashed with the reality that I wasn't in control and actually I could only do what I could do and I had to leave the rest to God and in time God really helped me and gave me relief and a peace from the anxiety that I'd been feeling and more recently as you know there's a global pandemic going around and I felt that pull towards anxiety again you know, just washing my hands and making sure everyone in my family was washing their hands and doing the cleaning really well and like must keep on control of the germs. And then obviously I had this accident as well. And God graciously then taught me two really important things. First of all, he taught me that he is in control. And he reminded me of that time when I'd been really, really anxious before. And remind me what I'd learnt, that he was in control, not me. I can do what I can do. I have to leave the rest to God. And he also taught me of his care. You see, this accident has turned out that it's, you know, it's going to be okay in the long run. It could have been so much worse. And I just was felt really cared for and protected by God. And just knowing his care and his love in that moment and reminded of how he's cared and loved for us before cared for and loved us before um and that's that really helped me as well so i'm just wondering what moments or experiences maybe you look back on in your life to help you in your in current emotions and current difficulties to just help you right now is he doing that right now is there times when he has strengthened your faith through trials um and as well as our own lives we can also look at the faith of others there are literally thousands of biographies and things. I and mean, we can get lots of online books at the moment, so that's not a problem. Um, stories of faith legends who have persevered in the faith through incredible trials. Their faith has endured, and that can inspire us as well. So these past, I mean, here's a few examples of a few that I've read and loved. Uh, Brother Yon, Brother Andrew, Corrie Ten Boom, Hudson Taylor, Elizabeth Elliot. I mean, there's just so many more. You might want to take a screen grab or a photo of those if you haven't read them before. I'd highly recommend them. Um, and perhaps later in your city group WhatsApps, you, you might want to share of other biography or biographies that you've read that have really helped you and inspired you in your faith before. You know, and we can sort of share these and, and get a hold of them and read them. But, you know, looking at these stories of how people have withstood trial and their faith has endured can really inspire us in our moments of challenge. Um, and that, you know, that's another way that we can really hold on to their past faith as well as our own. So we've looked at four things that Hebrews 10 teaches us to hold on to. So we've looked at that God, it tells us to hold on to God, to hold on to hope, to hold on to each other and to hold on to past faith. And it also gives us that clear warning to not hold on to sin. It says in verse 26, if we deliberately keep on sinning after we have received the knowledge of truth, no sacrifice for sins is left. And the issue is here is not 
when we fall into sin, because we all do that. The writer here is talking about deliberate, active rebellion and rejection of God. And the reason his warning is so severe is because the consequences are awful. So just as we need to take a note of that warning sign on the edge of the cliff, so we need to take notice of this warning because the consequences are even worse, even more dangerous. If we reject Jesus's sacrifice, deliberately ignore it and go our own way, there's, there's no sacrifice left. That sacrifice was once for all. So there's nothing that's left. It's only judgment. You know, when I was a secondary school teacher, I, uh, I got pretty used to the kind of surly look uh, of derision from the teenage girls when they weren't very happy with something that I'd just sold them. Um, and I remember a colleague of mine used to say, um, don't you look at me like something you've just scraped from the bottom of your shoe. And I just remember thinking, wow, what a line. I mean, it was so true because that's exactly what it looked like. That, that look of totally insulting and disrespectful and being treated like that was they were just arrogant moody teenagers but that is how we treat Jesus's sacrifice when we deliberately turn to sin when we've already known his grace and his forgiveness I mean the um it says in verse 29 here who has trampled the son of God underfoot that's what it's talking about we are showing him who gave his life for us, shed his blood on the cross for us, utter disrespect and contempt. And in the Old Testament, there was a huge significance on the worthiness and holiness of their worthy sacrifices. The first fruits were to be given and the best. So it doesn't seem like much of a gift when you give something that you didn't want anyway or was just left over you know, the lame animal or the moldy bread. And for God, this, he would have seen that as an unholy offering. And in the same way, that's what it's talking about when it says treated as an unholy thing, the blood of the covenant that sanctified them. It's saying that we're treating Jesus's blood like these unholy sacrifices, worthless, pointless, not good enough. That's what we're saying. So you can see how such actions are so terrible before God. So let me ask you, let me warn you. I guess I want to be gentle, but also firm. Are you giving in to sin right now? Do you need to confess something to God or to a brother and sister? Are you deliberately taking actions that, uh, that dishonor God? Is your conscience stirred right now? Is this a command in scripture that you're conveniently ignoring, that you're living against? Do you remember where we started today with a sincere heart, holding on to God with a sincere heart? If you're living in a way that doesn't honor God right now and you're not confessing, be careful in case you fall. Because there's only the fearful judgment of God that remains. You need to come to the cross and ask for forgiveness and for a fresh start and do it now. Don't wait. Let go of sin and take hold of Jesus. So to finish, I wonder if there's an application that uh, really stands out particularly to you now. 
uh, do you need to hold on to God right now? You know, be confident, be assured and sincere before him. Are you being, are you being real with him? Are you being honest about how you're doing? Are you letting him in or are you trying to just put on a good face? Come with sincerity and come with vulnerability and come as you are. Hold on to God. Do you need to hold on to hope? Be reminded of his faithfulness, that he keeps his promises. Do you need to lift your gaze from earth to heaven, from what is now to eternity? As Paul says in 2 Corinthians 4, 18, we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary and what is unseen is eternal. So don't lose your eternal sight and hope. Hold on to hope. Do you need to hold on to each other? Are you maybe feeling actually a bit distant from the church family and others? Do you feel that prompt to reach out and build connections? Let's hold on to each other. Perhaps you need to, oops, sorry. <laughs> Perhaps you need to uh, look at past faith. Where are you at now? What has God brought you through before that can encourage you for where you're right now? Or do you need to hear that warning? Let go of sin. It's a cliff edge. It really is. And you can fall. Do you know how you're treating Jesus's sacrifice by continuing in it? So let go of sin. I guess I'd like to just encourage you to Take time to ask yourself these questions. What rings true for you? And be sincere before God and a trusted friend. You know, we're not alone. Um, we're going to respond now by singing a song. I'm just going to pray. And then we're going to sing together. So uh, if you bow your heads with me and close your eyes, if, you, if you'd like, I'm going to pray. Lord, I thank you uh, for this passage in Hebrews 10. I thank you for the whole book of Hebrews that is here for us right now in this moment of trial. I thank you that you give us, first of all, yourself to hold on to, that you are strong and you are firm and you are reliable. Lord, I thank you for the hope that you give us that can uh, be over every kind of up and down. Lord, that it stays true. Lord, I thank you that we can hold on to each other, that we have each other. Lord, I thank you for our past uh, experiences, Lord, that you've brought us through and, and also other people who we can look at and their faith. And thank you that we have such a great cloud of witnesses behind us, Lord, that we can look on to encourage us for the future. And Lord, I thank you for this warning as well, that we need to let go of sin. So Lord, I, help, I pray that you will help us see where, there is, where we are continuing in sin in our lives and help us to let go of that and keep turning to you and holding on, holding on to you. So we thank you for all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.